When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is dedicated in the memory of Deacon Michael J. McGuire. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. And welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I am David Gaspers. I'm here with a full house tonight. Uh, I've got Honky. Hello. Mac and Boomer. Howdy. How is everyone doing this fine evening? Doing outstanding. Excellent, excellent. Ready to talk some Husker football? Let's do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. You know, uh, we've been uh, talking about uh, having a a, a topic uh, podcast where we just dove deep into one, one aspect of Nebraska football that we kind of find interesting, and um, and that is kind of the the place in Nebraska, uh, w- the place in college football that Nebraska holds. Uh, it, it, I, I was prompted to to think about this topic a month or so ago on uh, Husker Max, which m- many of us probably read almost every link on the Husker Max feed, and it was uh, about a book from a uh, a Husker fan who's a doctor. I think he's in Hawaii now. His name was David Gregorius. Wrote a book for his kids um, because they're of, you know, ranging from toddler to, to, you know, 8, 10 years old. And they don't really know much about Nebraska football history. Um, their their memories are of the uh, Callahan, Pelini, and now Riley eras. And those aren't filled with conference championships or national titles. And if you go to, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to plug the, the book. I think it's a cool idea. Um, it's called YoungFansGuide.com, I believe. You can look it up. And, but one of the images is of Corey Schlesinger. It's a cartoon version of him, but you know, plowing over a Miami hurricane and, and falling into the end zone. And um, for us, that's recent history. Um, but for uh, our younger fan base, it, it's something that's quite foreign to them that we're winning national championships. Um, and that's uh, something that I think is worth worth talking about. So um, we, we've devised a show that uh, is going to use uh, Stuart Mandel, who's one of our, at least my my favorite sports writers. I don't know about you guys. But um, uh, his uh, Kings, Barons, Knights, and peasants uh, ranking a uh, pecking order of college football um, to have a discussion about where Nebraska football still lies in that landscape. Uh, guys, you, you want to add it all to maybe some of your thoughts you've had on, on this in the last uh, few years? Well, I mean, I think it's first off, I mean, that's it's a good intro there, Dave. I mean, we're talking about something that he did in 2007 Mandel did it again in 2012, so he's done it twice, and it only makes sense that he's going to be doing it again here, you would think, in 2017, so let's beat him to it, is is where do we stand? And um, as we are going to delve into this hour, it's one of those things where I think sometimes people get 
really high when you win a game and they get really low when you lose a game and they want to move you in and around them. And I think uh, I just from my experience talking with you guys, I imagine we're going to have a more measured kind of response here where, uh, you know, it takes a lot to move between the different the different sections. But uh, he had he had us in the Kings and in 07 and, and 12. So I'm I'm interested to have this conversation with you guys and see where we where we fall in 17. Sure, you know, Boomer, Mac, any any thoughts on maybe my intro on like we, we all three of us have young kids now. Um, you know how how do, how is it to be um, uh, talking to y- your kids about you know Husker football and obviously it's important to us, but is it going to be important to them uh, in in twenty years? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like when I was a young kid. I mean, when I was that age, the Huskers weren't winning national championships yet. You know, they were winning, they were relevant, they were just, they, you know, uh, on the scene, they were, you know, putting some players in the league, and they were fun to watch, and I feel like, you know, we're positioned right now to kind of be in that mold again, and then take that next step forward, at least I kind of hope that's what it's like, but, sure. but, but people to, forget. to the point of, like, maybe not so much my kids, but, like, like people I work with, like, 20-somethings, it's it's like talking about it's like talking about Johnny J- the Jets teams, you know. It's like that's so yeah, long that's right. ago. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Is, do they have that in HD? I'm like, you know what? They don't. That's <laughs> I'm sorry to talk. I mean, it's just crazy how fast that that time goes. So I don't sure. know. I mean, there was 22 years between national championships, essentially, right? 71 to to 94, 23 years. Well, you know, um, even so that was a long run. Even people our age, though, it's amazing that we can forget sometimes what history was like. Like now we look at, at the Osborne years as these 25 glorious years that, you know, this guy is a first ballot hall of fame coach into the, and very deservingly. So, and yet it was extremely tumultuous for us growing up in the eighties. It was a yearly thing with Oklahoma. It was the seven straight bowl losses. It was always a, it seemed like one other thing. He couldn't win the big game. So he was fired a thousand times, you know, thousands of times over his career. And, Mike, actually, I'm kind of curious, Boomer, what what your experience was because you grew up in Texas, so you weren't well. You grew up in Texas up until second grade, but what was your experience fifth in Nebraska grade, football fifth grade, from, grade, from grade. away? Uh, fifth grade. You know, away. I guess you know that was kind of a slightly different era. I mean, you know, you didn't have cable TV having eight thousand games on, so you were just kind of stuck with what they played. You know, Nebraska was True. there. My parents were, you know, my w- mother's from Nebraska, so at least you know had that connection, but. You know, the teams everyone I grew up talking about was, you know, A&M and Texas Tech, just because that was what was nearby, so that was what I was kind of familiar with. And the Barf. very first football game I ever actually attended was Texas Tech versus Texas in Lubbock. So, you know, it was a little different growing up there. I mean, I did have the family connection, so I did kind of see it, but, you know, they just kind of knew them. They beautiful played Oklahoma Lubbock, every Texas. year, and that was about all I, you know, all I ever got from it back then. Yeah, uh, it takes a while to be in doctrine, that's for certain. Um, all right, well, let's dive into this. I, I think this should be a fun conversation and um, one that kind of uh, allows us to talk a little bit more about college football in in general. Uh, so, all right, so uh, Stuart Mandel, again, it's he, he breaks up, um, I believe this is mainly the Power Power 5 or BC. Yeah, I think yeah, it's Power like the five 71 conference. or 72 uh, teams that he thinks would be Right, that, he, yeah. he includes a few others in there. Obviously, things have changed since 2012. But into four categories, Kings, Barons, Knights, and Peasants. So let's start at the top of the list. I'm going to keep this pretty simple. We can just do this um, uh, kind of round robin. Uh, I'll start listing off the names of the Kings. 
and you can say yes, no, or maybe. Um, I'll just take it as a, a yes that they should stay in if you don't say anything. Um, so really just be raising your objection if you have a question, if they should stay in this category, or you're already certain that they should not. All right, so let's start. Uh, in alphabetic order, it appears. Uh, Alabama. Hmm. Think about this one long and hard, yeah. guys. Yeah, let me think. Uh, I'm going to put a pros-con sheet together, but there's a chance. They squeeze in. Or just to keep in. the conversation moving, we'll say yes. Yeah. Fine. I don't want any of my trees right. getting killed. I'll, so I'll, yeah. I'll concede a yes. Only because of the recruiting, though. <laughs> All right. How about SEC Brethren Florida? Yes. Florida... Kings? Kings. They're oh. a weaker yes for Three me. national championships yeah, overall. Fair. Yep, Kings. Kings is good. All right. Uh, Florida State. Yes. Yes. Has yeah, had a title in the last five yes, years. Yeah. Longest continuous bowl streak going right now. 35, absolutely. Nice. Uh, the Bayou Bengals, LSU. Yes. Yeah. We'll go with yes. Yep. Especially with expectations, right? Yeah. Um, Miami. Yes. A little bit more in the Nebraska boat. Last national championship was 2001. Just, they go through such bad swings. I mean, when they're bad, they're sort of horrible. And they do that from time to time. I don't know. And they really have been getting overshadowed in their own state since, geez, since about 2001. They're uh, how many, almost I mean, third easily every one of those years. I mean... Sure. Yeah, I don't know. They're coaching, lots of coaching changes. Getting close to the maybe pile there, I think. Yeah. Let's go. We can revisit Miami. Uh, Michigan. Yes. 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 All right. No national championship since 97. Uh, but And even that um, one's bull. Strong yes from everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Before then, it was 1948. All right. Yeah, so, Michigan's not up there it, for their titles, even their, their fake claim. That's was. correct. They're just they're there. Yeah, of, let's be clear on that with, with uh, Mandel's rankings. It's really about prestige. Yeah, I mean, they have perception really here. It's not just uh, all-time wins. All, all, those, all those things factor into it. Well, and that, but all, overall, it's the overall perception. Yeah, they have yes, everything that's a, you're that's looking a good for in a college football program. Like, in, for history yeah. and prestige, they have all of it. Most wins, the big house. I mean, my gosh, the, the, they make the most in revenue in the, in the conference by far. Uh, all Signature those things helmets. Add in. And that's a, that's a good point Having to make. practice in Italy, you know, all that well, stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And that, that's a good point to make when it talks when you're, we're talking about the Kings. It's not just about who won the most games last year. It, it's, it's all of those elements on and off the field that get added sure. into it. Uh, uh, since we're all yes on Michigan, I'll ask this question now, opposed to coming back to it. Uh, in the last five years, has Michigan actually improved their prestige? Um, I think hiring Harbaugh, yes. I mean – Guy gets media coverage like nobody's business. And that's partially Before what this is Harbaugh, about, though. If Brady Hoke is still the coach, and there's, I'm going to say no in the grand scheme of things. I, I I don't know that they raised their prestige. They didn't hurt it. It's just they're they're Michigan, and it to me it doesn't change with or without Harbaugh. They could they could have gone zero and twelve last year, and they're still a prestigious school. Yeah, I felt like they just um, held it, up their. Don't end get of me it. wrong; it doesn't hurt to have Harbaugh, but that's fair. That's fair. All right, just wanted to ask the question. Uh, I'll skip over Nebraska for now. Uh, Notre Dame. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's because of everything as as else Honky still. just said, yeah. I mean, that's why they're yep. there. Yep. Same boat. Ohio State. Yes. Yep. yes. 
almost as, as much of a no-brainer as Alabama yeah. at this point. Oklahoma. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Penn State. Yes. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, Boy, it's yes. If you're factoring the, the other horrific... things in, I'm going to have to go ahead and drop Penn State. Ooh, it's big. Yeah, that one's tough, too. I mean, you know, if you're talking prestige and the national image. That certainly took a hit. It depends how you want to, you know, parse it. Retor- some people are a return to football glory last yeah, year. Yeah, and some people are going to look year, at that and say, "Great, we're rough. good at football again. They're back. Everything's wonderful." Okay, maybe it's a one-year flash in the pan, and they, you know, sink to mediocrity, and then all those bad memories come back up, and they're real easy to hate again. I mean, sure. So they're they, probably I mean, the closest, does, I think. To they are a unique one. To, they're a unique one because you have a coach that is just, you know, was there for fifty years that almost, in some ways. He's either rever- he built the entire. Yeah, he's program. either revered by some, or he's completely forgotten and erased by others. I mean that that statue. I remember them tearing that statue down of Paterno, and then they kind of like it resurfaced and they tried to put it like on, in an indoor museum for a while. And I don't even know where it is now, but but I mean it's. And I was at that that game in in eleven. I was in you know Penn more Nebraska State for that was one. the first game. One back, of the most yeah. bizarre settings I've ever been in, and of course Penn State. We were always told how rough and tough their fans were, and it was the furthest thing from that that game. They were just thankful that we were there. Yeah. And uh, you know, I remember going up to the to the they have a painted mural on the side of their bookstore in downtown uh, State College there, and and where uh, Sandusky's painting was or where he was, they painted over. He was sitting at a chair, and they just painted the chair a chair and put a put the blue wow. ribbon on it. It they did that within seven days. Of all that stuff coming out, yeah, it was sure. it was the most bizarre time. I a little side anecdote. I was talking with a with a CEO of a, of a hospital in Baltimore who was a lifelong uh, uh, Penn State fan. His dad was a retired um, Coast Guard general, or you know whatever it was. I mean, two really big time, you know, kind of you know Penn State uh, boosters. And we talked for about thirty minutes, and by the end of it, they were in tears. And I couldn't picture as a Husker fan, I couldn't picture what that would have been like going through the same thing. And I really, I mean this sincerely, there was no better program than Nebraska to be the team to play them next. If it had been Wisconsin or something like that, who knows what some of the Yahoo fans of there could have done with such a bad situation. But anyways, Penn State's a, yeah, they've kind of got a goofy, unique situation on this list. No, I hear you. All right, so it sounds like Penn State's a little bit of a I'm going to say yes, but Um, I understand the, uh, the nays. Yeah, Boomer and Mac are on, at least on the maybe list. Uh, Texas. Yes, 100% yes. As much yeah, as I again, them. money, prestige, you know, name. They got the stupid network with secondary. ESPN, you know. Yeah, they're, true. they're a prestige program. As lousy as they've been, heck, they, were, they weren't great for years, and they're still on that list, so. Yep. Yeah, no, it's very true. And then USC is the final. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, USC. Not their best five years, but um, I, I think the you know lesson learned on a lot of these is the the um, durability of the brand name here. You know, I mean, we talk about Alabama being such a a yes at this point, but always keep in mind, you know, between 1978, which is Bear Bryant's last national championship, and Nick Saban's first, which is 09, I believe, is that right? Uh, they had one random national championship in 92 where it was unexpected, yep. um, Alabama upsetting Miami. Besides that one year, practically, uh, Alabama really was a very average program with a lot of 6-6 six and six or even below 500 records. Absolutely. That might be the last game I ever cheered for Alabama in. 
Yeah, mm. probably. And so even a, a program album, which seems like to be as high as you could possibly get at this point, has had had low 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 time. Now, Dave, Dave. Uh, so let's revisit. If I if yeah, I'm correct, on. if I'm correct, one of the teams that that you didn't mention was Tennessee, and I don't have the list right in front of me. But if I remember right, I think Tennessee's on his 07 list and was actually one of them that dropped off for twelve. That and, is correct. And, and, I mean, yes. it, it was that rare. I mean, it was. It was a very unique situation to have one team even move around. So that. Tennessee my was one understanding, that did I, I'm looking at at the the twelve and and looking at the notes. Tennessee was bumped from 07, and and LSU was added. So LSU joined the Kings, in in, in twelve, and Tennessee was was taken off. So there you go. Uh, so it sounds like I think the two. Uh, before we do Nebraska, that we had a, a question mark on was Miami and Penn State. So, anybody want to really campaign hard for Miami not being a king any longer? I mean, you know, there are national championships. I, I'd, I'd be curious to know what, um, you know, we talked about younger people or millennials, what their perception of Miami is. I mean, we remember Miami because they were great in the 80s and, you know, the Thug University and beating us in all the bowl games, winning national titles. But like Dave said, their last one is 2001, and that coach is long forgotten, you know, left the school. I mean, what's their perception now? They're usually the third best team at that in the state of Florida. I mean, what do kids think of them now? What's their perception? Well, I, that's a great question. I would say what, what makes Miami and Penn State, this is two great programs actually to pin head-to-head because Miami is one of those programs that had nothing going for it all the way into the late 70s. When Schnellenberger was the coach there, they actually – the, the, the Board of Regents, the university, almost shut down the program in the late 70s. And obviously it was the, the 83 season was the, the beginning of it all, them beating us with the two-point conversion try with, with Turner Gill. That was the thing that set Miami into this meteoric ah, – I can't say the word. Uh, meteoric? Is that what you're Thank for? you very much. Metro. That's why I'm not on radio. Um, this is why Boomer's on the show. That's right. <laughs> but – I mean that that kind of rise, <laughs> that meteoric rise that that happened. It, it's insane what they did between '83 and '01. But honestly, yeah, you could make a very good argument that that Miami doesn't have much outside of that. But what they had inside of that was about what five or six. How many stinking titles did they have between '83 and '01? Was it five? Yeah, they '83, uh, '87. 90, 90. I mean, oh, I should know this actually. 91, 92, right? Because they split with Washington. Uh, and then outright 92. Yeah, split Washington, outright 92. And then when they did. And then 01. And then when they do win the titles, they have some of the best teams of all time when they do do it. But you could certainly yeah. make the argument that. With great NFL talent. You can make sure. the argument that they don't have enough of the depth around that to. Uh, you know, to to stay in the top. You know, if if they haven't been relevant in the last well, what was years. Penn State before Paterno, though? Right. I mean, well, Penn State was an independent from the Big East. Uh, 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 I'm just when I say Big East, the the East really the the re, uh, region of uh, college football in the East was not well represented. Syracuse was a powerhouse, and that was about it. Um, Joe Paul had multiple undefeated championship or undefeated teams in the 70s that didn't get a play for a national title because they didn't have enough respect. They weren't even in a to actually even get into the title game. Um, so it wasn't until. He finally won in 82 and then 86 that he got the titles. But, I mean, he had at least two or three undefeated seasons back in the 60s and 70s. They didn't even play. Well, how about this? A little bit for perception. 
Miami, even when they win titles, might get 2,000 people to show up for something like, say, a spring game, as an example. Sure. And Penn State can manage, you know, the the six figures into game after game after game through thick and thin and everything. I mean, how does that play into perception? I mean, there's a loyal fan Mm -hmm. base in Penn State, and Miami's about as fickle as you're going to get. No, it's a good point. Uh, uh, recruiting wise, though, if you flip that and say, well, if that, you know, how do kids perceive Miami? They have the number one class right now if for 2018. So, with the new coach, with Mark Rick, et cetera, they, they seem to be attractive to recruits still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's, I mean, this is a great, great comparison. Well, let's, let's bring up Nebraska then. Actually, yeah, I, I feel it's a short conversation because we're obviously biased, but I'd love to hear a Penn State or Miami fan have this conversation at this point, right? I mean, uh, uh, Nebraska still a king, without a doubt, one hundred percent they are. I, I there's not even there's not even a logical argument for Nebraska not to be in. Um, and you mentioned, Dave, you mentioned the fifteen or the thirty years before um, Saban got to, to Alabama, and I'll just give a reference here: fifteen years before Saban got there, basically, was when they won their last title. And so, just to put things in perspective. Perspective right now. Um, they were on Mandel's list of kings in 2007. It was at that point there was 15 years where they had seasons of four and seven, seven and five, three and eight, seven and five, four and nine, six and six, six and seven, seven and six. I mean, it was yeah, a they had coaches. It, it, all the arguments, everything is about a freeze frame picture and time, right? And so, if you go in 2007, if you say Alabama is is a king. And and you look at their recent, their at that point, their fifteen years of time, and they had the Mike Price and the Mike Dubose and the, you know, oh my gosh, Mike Shula and and Fran, you know Francione. It was a bad fifteen years for them, but they were clearly, without a question, nobody would question that they were a king of football. Nebraska's had a fifteen year span that we're not proud of. We're not we're not going out gushing about it, and yet eight of our last nine years were nine and four or better. And that's just that's kind of what we are right now. We know we're a nine and four program. We got to get better. But I think something that puts all of us as as kings, we're all on the same level. I don't care if you're USC, Texas, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, doesn't matter. When nine and four isn't good enough, you are at that level, and and that still is the same level for Nebraska. So I've got to teach my son Alex that that nine and four we can do better than that. Um, and I don't want him to get used to it. But but we know that Nebraska is above that level. I think Honky's points on on longevity. You look at our numbers, all time wins, winning percentage, bowls. We still have the most conference championships um, won by any any Power Five. We team. haven't won a stinking uh, conference the still title stand since '99, and we still are number one. <laughs> yep, we're one ahead of Oklahoma, I believe. It, it, you build up, you build up so much credibility when when think about it this way, guys. In 1941, when we lose to Stanford in that first bowl game we ever played in at the end of that season were we a king of college football in 1941 I'll just ask that question probably not probably not oh I oh I disagree I would, I, after in 1941 I, we had no national championships well I don't even know if they gave national uh, titles out at that point but oh, well, Penn State no, we, we didn't claim them yeah lots of teams right? claimed Every, them. everybody else was yeah. claiming them. oh but we, we weren't claiming them that's our own fault we, we yeah we won so many games we were ranked in the first polls we had Sam Francis was the second pick in the second or the second you know place Heisman guy right away he was the first pick in an NFL draft we had already built a new stadium we built 
beat Pitt, we beat Minnesota, we have the only winning record against. Uh, it's a great you know, question, Hunk. Notre I would Dame probably put it. I mean, I'm just off the cuff here saying that we. I would probably say we're a barren, very, very much right there. But I mean, there's teams like Minnesota or Pittsburgh that are no longer kings. Obviously, sure. they probably were kings in the in the 40s. So I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing that you're like way off base here. I'm just thinking it, it's you know it's a degree of of accuracy. I, I guess what what I'll say is my point behind that is that. I'll argue absolutely that we were a king at at 41. What I would say is fast forward five, six, seven, eight years, go to 1946, 47. Even after a few bad years there, finally, I would still say that we would have been a king because it takes a while to to move people from one level to the next. But clearly, by the time we hit 1962 and Devaney gets here, we're no longer in the king (laughs) category. Clearly. And then, yeah, 20 years. But then guess the, what? Uh, it takes a while to get back into it. So I'll, I'll fast forward to 1969, 1970. We're not in the king category yet, not even with the, the some of the wins that, that, that Devaney had. But but then you get a couple of the national titles in there, and by 1972, we're in the kings. We had 25 years after that where we already started as a king. For the next 25 years, all of Osborne's era and everything, you build up a lot of credibility at that point, and it is it takes a lot to get you back out of that. And we haven't done enough bad, as bad as that, as, as tough as these last 15 to 20 years have been. We haven't done enough bad, clearly, to knock us out, in my mind. We, yeah, sure. I think our fan base uh, fair probably enough. keeps us in the Kings category more. I mean, I would say our, our fans act like and, and perform and, and spend money like we are Kings of college football, for sure. Our football play has not, has not been, you know, over this last stretch of years. It's been okay. It's been all right, but certainly not exceptional. Fan you know, support. certainly disappointing yeah. in a lot of yeah. times, and and disjointed too. It's too bad we've just been sort of transition after transition and change, and just we've never really found any kind of identity for it seems like a lot of years. Yeah. When you stop caring is when you would right. slip from a king. But the to fact a, that we still, worse, you know, right? our spring I mean, game right? still gets the kind of numbers that it gets, and and our fans show out the way they do. You know that that keeps us relevant you know and these kids are really digging that you know it's it's been a it's been interesting to see it's almost like it's it's unique to see stadiums with a lot of people anymore and and that's kind of sad i don't know but it works for us it works for us yeah it's true if you if you look at this decade since 2010 at least just wins and losses i mean we're we're well above what texas has gone through they've they've been horrendous since that's 2010 true. but yet Yet, you know, they have a more certainly a more recent conference title than we do, and that's in a game against us, but that was a one second difference. Yep. They have a national yep. title back in back in those six. Um oh, yeah. but you know, you, you, you start to compare, you know, what what you've done recently, and that gets to be a really tough thing to do in this kind of more historic talk. There's been over hundred and twenty years of college football. And so it's important to, you know, every time we talk about recruits, like what do the, this kid was born in 1999. He's never experienced this, or this kid was born in this year. And sure. He's never experienced that. It's important to know what the young kids know and don't know, but yet there's still a reason that kids are showing up at games and, 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 and their football coaches, their high school coaches are telling them, you know, that Nebraska is a place to be is that there's a, there's something about that in, and, and it resonates still. I'll say, damn near as strong as it ever has um it, it it you see it in merchandising you see it in tv ratings it still has a huge value it had a huge value five years ago or six years ago 
when we joined a certain conference that didn't just take any old Missouri, I mean, any old team into it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. You know, we can come back to this maybe. I'll I'll just wrap it up just a little bit. Uh, Unless Boomer, do you have anything at all you want to add in from from your side at all? No, I think you guys covered it pretty well. You know, I I think the big thing it shows we're still kings. It's kind of like, you know, you and McGuire were hinting at. We may have this, you know, we're disjointed a lot of times. We're not sure exactly what we want to be, and we're still getting, you know, tens of thousands of people turning out to, you know, the spring game. We're still selling out the stadium, you know. People are staying for most of the games outside of a few Callahan ones and a Pelini game here or there. But yeah, it's showing no, that I we think... still have that identity. We still feel it's there, and I think that's a big part of it, you know, just having that fan support. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll wrap it up by throwing um, uh, both you and, and Honky a, a bone here a little bit in the sense that even after a, a 20-year period of, uh, of, of disappointing seasons, 40s and 50s, it only took Devaney's first year and a, a little bit of success on that field to start a sellout streak that still holds today. So even in a 20-year down period where we may have slipped back significantly in our prestige level, it, it took just a little bit to give some hope to those fans that were dormant for 20 years. Uh, my dad grew up in the 40s and 50s. He talked about how it wasn't as big of a deal until Devaney showed up. It just took one season to change everything. Um, and so keep that in mind. what a good basketball that's coach a could point. do. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a, no kidding. Dave, that's that's a great point. It took one incomplete pass against South Dakota, I think, in Devaney's first game in the and the crowd did a, a standing ovation that we threw it. So I mean that's <laughs> that's that's pretty special. And and and, and we are uh, a hungry fan. And base, I'll, let's I'll, just face it. I'll, I'll give you one little other anecdote. I, McGuire and I, well, all four of us went down to that that uh, Oklahoma game in 2008, Bo's first year. None of us thought we were going to beat Oklahoma that season. No, nobody did. But I will admit, when we were down, I don't know, 21 or 28 or 35 nothing in the first quarter, yeah, I remember one you know. time staring at Mac and going, oh, my gosh, are we going to come back? And his hand, his head's in his hands, and he goes, no. And I was like, oh, okay, good. That was all I needed to hear. <laughs> but after the game, one of the best things was after the game was done, Mac and I, we, we go off into the fan base of, of OU, and we're talking to these fans, these parents of some OU players who eventually came over and were eating with us after the game Very and all that. Yeah. Folks. And these fans are like, we're really sorry. We're really sorry about that loss. But don't worry. You guys are going to come back. And Mac and I, you know, after this beatdown that, that our team just took, Mac and I defiantly kind of said, like, well, we know we're going to be good again. You know, you don't have to yeah. tell us that. We're not and a year later, State. I was like, what? Yeah, my God. You know, thanks, Oklahoma fan. We appreciate it. But you know what? I kind of think maybe a year from now we might hold your team to the first time under the Stoops era that you don't score a touchdown. I don't know. What do you think of that? And we did. Yeah. So, you know, things can change in a hurry. Yeah. And what looks doesn't look good right now can look good in a year if we if we just do a little bit better. Oh, yeah. College football is full of, of people who have an unexpectedly good year from one to the other. We're due. We are so due. Let's, let's move on to uh, the next tier of Stuart Mandel's uh, hierarchy, and we are on the Barons, which is still a pretty uh, small list. I'll, I'll again go through these. Um, yes, no, maybe. Uh, be loud on your uh, no's or maybes. And we'll start uh, with Auburn. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I see no reason not. No upgrade for Auburn. They've been very competitive last five years. All right. Sticking yeah, they're second fiddle in their own state. So true. It's true. It's true. Sticking with uh, the Baron status. All right. How about Clemson? 
are no. reigning national champion. No, they're up. Two back-to-back uh, title game appearances. Yeah, they're, past they're moving title, up. Past title they, wins. They do have a title back You could put a 81. bullet by that one. Probably, probably put them in the Kings. I'd like to see how long they can carry this out. I mean, you know, to Clemson is still a verb in our in our dictionary. You know, they're known <laughs> sure, blowing sure. things just That's as much as they are winning titles. Dabo so. Sweeney is actually a, an Alabama alum. Yeah, the odds of him retires. Is Sweeney the heir apparent there, actually? I don't yeah. know. So uh, Good question. All right, so Clemson, we got one from McGuire, one from Mac. Boomer, you, you, you wish-washy uh, on this? Or they're still no? – they're, they're where they need to be right now. Yeah. I'd move – All right, so we have two – Two uh, holding I move steady them up. on the Baron status. All right. Uh, how about Georgia? Yeah, they're fine. They're right where they should be. And they, and you know, yeah. they'd have to as good as they've been. They've had to do so much to probably get up to Kings. Really, I mean, they've had some great players, but they have but one title always, really. Of, of, I don't know. They're kind of like exciting to watch, but you know, they never really make too much of an impact. And I like Georgia. Yeah, they always fall yeah. short. Yeah. This is actually a really good grouping. This is really interesting. Next one up uh, is Oregon. Absolutely. Up, down. Ooh. Absolutely. Right location. 100% stay where yeah. they are. It, and this is an example mm-hmm. of it takes a lot to get where you right. are. And, again, I believe they were a team that in 07 was not in the Barons. I think they were in the Knights, if, if I remember right. And then they moved up into yes, that's correct. the Barons. Yep, so the is point correct. is, it takes a lot to make a shift, and one four and eight season doesn't undo that. I, to me, Oregon's closer to being in the Kings than they are to being in the Knights. In this uh, regard, yeah, they're, no, they're closer to tier one than tier three. In the Knights, they're probably right where they they should be, and they're just one of those teams that's like they're sort of teetering on this right now. Like if if this coaching move here doesn't work. You know, Oregon's got a chance to kind of flatline a little bit, especially with the other programs and that and that Pac-12 or yeah, the Pac-12 doing so well. So, it's interesting. You know, they're 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 right where they need to be. You know, if they can maintain it, the Nike money's going to help. So that's their saving grace, I'm sure. Mac, that's that's a great point though. Is that when we say that they're one coaching change away from this or that, that's the exact point that so many programs. And unfortunately, it's the thing that Nebraska's kind of experienced oh, over totally. the last 10 to 15 years. The more changes. Like, I, I've been critical of things of, of Riley as an example. But but I also understand that if, you know, we're kind of bought in right now. And, like, so if things don't go perfect in this next season, if we just go and fire Riley and everything, then you're starting over from scratch again. And guess what? You just keep going down that perpetual, you know, rotation of next yeah, next it's such groupings or next coaches. And that's that's what makes you ultimately bad in, in the long run. So I, I 100% agree with you. I think I think Oregon they've built up a lot of a lot of credit here. And and this next staff, I mean, you know, I, I think this next staff, they as long as they aren't going 0 and 12, they'll be able to stay within that barrens that they've built themselves into. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's go on to Tennessee, a team that slipped from the King status in. Uh, 2012. I w- I don't yeah, think they I mean, go there's back no there. reason me. I'm not moving yeah. them anywhere. They're not. They're certainly not going down. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't put them back up right now. Boomer. Right, fair enough. Uh, Texas A&M. Bo- okay, here we got yeah, to let Boomer talk, and he's an a- he's a Texas kid, so go for it, Boomer. <laughs> I just say they're where they need to be. I mean, they're you know they've made some moves, try to make themselves better. You know, moving to the SEC definitely tried to. 
I guess give them a shot, a little more prominence. But again, they haven't done anything in particular with that yet. They haven't won a conference championship since when? I mean, it's been a while. Certainly, I feel like this haven't threatened in the division since they've been in the SEC. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, this boomer. I got. I, first off, I want to hear your beautiful voice, and second off, you're from Texas. What the hell is A and M? Like, I don't. Who are they? Where are they? Like. Well, they're the Aggies out of College Station, Bryan area. But but what? Just the Aggies. That's all they are. What the Texas are Aggies. they in the in the in the grand scheme of college football? Like we went there, and I had you and I went to that game in 06, Purifies unbelievable catch that we had the worst seats in the country to watch. Um, but but <laughs> totally missed it. But we were down there, and like until you get down into College Station, you realize that you're really in like you. It was a two lane road to get there, but but you realize like. Their one national title was what, like 1937 or 39? And I guess I just felt like I was going into more of a college football mecca. And at least historically, it's like it's not necessarily. John David that. Crow is their only Heisman winner until. AM's interesting until because it's always a team that seems to get a lot of credit during the season. You know, they get a ton of good players. They put, they're always talked about. You know, they always seem to be. Since they moved to the SEC, they're always sort of relevant and in a team that could beat anybody any day. But the consistency's kind of hurt them. But but they're you know they're ripe for for shooting back up. I mean, a little more consistency. They get great players now, and and they play competitive. Well, they could win a national championship. Oh yeah, would be a game they're really not that far. Them, I think right. I mean, I mean, think about that. They really haven't really been competitive for a national title and. Ever practically, I mean, well, no, but they'll know, make these killer runs through a season, out. like where they just well, look what unstoppable. What is their best sure. season? Sure. What's their best season I think they, in our lifetime? RC Slocum, Case. I think, went like ten zero and one or something back in the nineties. That's probably their best. That sounds vaguely but, but like, modern era. Yeah. But like they beat K State in ninety eight, beat Michael Bishop, and it was a huge upset. And so they won that one conference title, but it was you know totally by surprise. When what? In our lifetime, what's their best season where they won a conference title? They were, well, you know, competing. They were they were number one in the country. What was that? I'm looking at our, our good friends at Winspedia, which is a great website. They are one of our sponsors <laughs> too. Yes, uh, in 1994, RC Slocum did go 10 0 Yeah, that's the year I was thinking of. That's uh, probably their last uh, super competitive year. Uh, 92, oh, was... they went 12 and one. Yeah. Uh, so that's an, also a very competitive. Uh, Ninety three, they uh, played Notre Dame in their bowl game, and it was right before the Nebraska Florida State game. And I only remember that because on my VHS <laughs> recording, our game was team. late so because was, of the stupid. That was RC Slocum's best best run there. He had uh, three straight uh, double digit uh, victory uh, seasons. Uh, pretty, Jackie Sherrill had some good nine win seasons, but a little bit up and down. Um, Are they still the yeah. wrecking crew defense, or do they even do they just give up on? Well, that? I think they use that name, but you know, yeah. just like are we still I mean, the they're, black they're... shirts? You know, yeah. Well, technically, <laughs> yeah. But. yeah. But there's another example of a fan I mean, base. You want to go back that, into that, history? That won't let their program, uh, uh, you know, drift away. I mean, they're they're. I, I that think that's stadium's the, the beautiful. Point that's the here. biggest stadium in the, in the in the state. I mean, there's you know, all kidding yeah. aside, that's. I mean, they've got money and they put it into that place. There's a And M should. Be yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the relevant point here is that you can argue that from a from a field success, A and M has has failed over the last five years or for almost their entire history, maybe underperformed. But their fan base is loyal, committed, 
they have a high interest in football. They're committed to being really good, even though sometimes they obviously don't deliver. And I think that actually says a lot about the prestige, right? I mean, the fan base drives that prestige because of the interest level that they keep on the national scene because they're relevant. So what you're saying, Dave, is they are the barren version of Nebraska. I mean, and I mean that in a very sincere oh, way. Not a- it's, it's legitimate. Their fan base supports them like Nebraska supports Nebraska's, they are just mm-hmm. lacking some of the titles and some of the other things that come with what Nebraska has achieved. But I mean, but that's, and by the way, when we went down to A&M, that's one of the best road trips we've ever Great taken. Fan Unbelievable Phenomenal. fans. Incredible. Yep. I mean, you do the night before midnight thing and all that. I mean, they are, in, they're just, that's a, a road trip to take if you just want to watch a great football game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd recommend yeah. that to anybody. Yeah. i like to see the new stadium too. I mean, it looks like it's yeah. completely changed. Um, all right, where am I uh, on here? A&M. Next on the list of Barons is the University of California, Los Angeles. Ooh. The Bruins of UCLA. Oh. They are completely on par with every other Barons team that you just said, in my humble opinion, I guess. Which means Based on what, I guess? So you're keeping them right there. I, I'm not moving them based on you – know, they probably win about as many titles as what you'd win out of a A&M or, um, you know. True. Expectate – I mean, fan base isn't nearly as Yeah, what's their there. fan base support? Talent-rich location. I mean, their fan base is equal to Miami's, which is in the, the, That's the Kings. That's fair. So, I mean – Of course, I agree to drop Miami's. Probably better. So, yeah. Well, you know, and the th- the thing is that what you just hit on with like fan base there, this is where this is where you start to differentiate college football from from pro football. Pro football, unless you're Green Bay, everybody's the same, right? You're all big metro areas. But in 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 college football, you have this dichotomy. Is that a, is that a word I can use? I am constantly yeah, throwing words that that are not fair. Your vocabulary is making a media rise here today. I know. I'm going to start a list I'm, of the things that a honky say that makes no this, sense. I, this six-shot martini I'm drinking is making me a lot smarter right now, I'll tell you that. But no, the <laughs> difference, like, in college football, you have you have Miami and Los Angeles fans. I mean, how fickle is that compared to, we just talked earlier about Penn State and Nebraska fans. I mean, you, or even A&M, A&M fans. You know, it's, yep. there's such a difference. See, that but, to me puts yes, them lower LA than fans, Baron, kind of. You know what I mean? Because of their fan base is so yeah. kind of garbagey and... and but yeah. Miami was the same well, thing as still a king, though. Do those schools have to perform better on the field because their Miami fan bases delivers are the national the way titles, they are? You know? Say that again, Matthew. Honky. Do, do those teams, those teams like Miami and, and UCLA or even USC, for example, do those teams have to do even better? Or how about you guys out there in Colorado? Where you have fickle fans that, that barely show up unless, you know... It, you have to be so good to be a king because your fan base isn't going to s- step up and and oh yeah you know, Colorado could have Colorado made the uh, Pac-12 title game last year. Let's say they would have won it. Let's say they made the the let's say they made the uh, the playoff. Let's say they won the title for cripe's sakes. How many people does Colorado still end up getting into the spring oh, game? You know, ten maybe. I, oh, I it's not fifteen thousand. Well, yeah, thirty thousand even 15, hit the radar. Fifteen thousand of them are smoking pot and they, they didn't just even stumbled in because up. the gates so, were open. 50, yeah, I mean, they don't even know they're there. That's right. So, you know, you get you get some of that. I mean, those programs that have that. I mean, there is some diehard CU yeah. fans. I want to make we, sure we, we tailgate with well, some you know, of them. I, I mean, Honky, you and I, you you and I were around some of them. We went to the uh, UCLA Thursday night UCLA, game before the, before the Ohio State uh, disaster game. weekend this right. year. Dave and I did a yeah. double weekend of football this year. We we 
we hit uh, Colorado UCLA on Thursday night, and then we went to Columbus and watched Ohio State. And so the, we, we were of, around some of, of those teams, but that was a, one of their bigger games. Still, still didn't Crazy. sell out Folsom yeah. Field. It's a beautiful Crazy. night out. Um, so, it, it but but is but, but it to is. the point uh, of what we're okay, talking about, um, does that? How should that affect? And is it fair? Should that affect? your standing because you're yeah. in LA and, and like people well, in LA just don't show up to UCLA games for some of us. I mean like Nebraska and A&M that the fan base is a big part of the prestige, right? Mm-hmm. That the fan base is so strong yeah. that they elevate. Uh, so I, I, I think you have to do have to knock um, the programs that lack the fan base or consistent fan base to some degree. Um, well, but at the same time, uh, a Colorado uh, has won a national championship in our lifetimes, and and a lot and some of these others, you know, with a fifth down. So I mean, I, I think that it, it's all about a balance, right? And it's it, it is the prestige, and so well, it, think it's, how good USC to has to be to kind of be a king, you know, versus what UCLA does because they have they're dealing with the same kind of yeah. fan base. Everybody shows up when they're winning, but you know, Absolutely. when they're kind of sliding, you know, three lost season, you know, they're there's a lot of empty seats in that stadium, you know, and that's always the way it's kind of been. But they've been so consistently good and, on the field. I, to our point of – And think um, of the NFL's effect oh, on, yeah. on, on L.A. You have to have a lot you know, of talent. You have mm-hmm. two teams, then you lose both teams. Now all of a sudden teams are coming back to L.A., and that can start to change. Well, that's a whole other topic. I know, I know, I know. I know. I, I podcast that we do. But uh, I'll, I'll wrap this up by just simply saying that I think the watching the Colorado game with you, Honky, uh, at Folsom Field versus UCLA highlights the value – of of winning for a fan base because a lot of the diehard uh, buff fans that we were around who were awesome uh, were from the late eighties and early nineties generation right and they still hold on to those memories and that's why they're diehard fans and so you as a program you do need to start having some of those years that create those memories that continue that fan base in a uh, virtuous cycle, I feel One, like. So I, I think it's just an interesting 100% point. agree. I mean, Colorado beat us in 86, and if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the start of what yep. McCartney brought there, yeah, what is what is Colorado today if they didn't have 1986 to 1996? We'll just say those This would be a great year yeah. for us to yeah. do something like that, too. Vertical. You know, we're kind of poised right now where we've got a lot of attention on us in and, and some of these ways through these recruiting ties that we're making. be a fantastic time to have a breakout year and sort of get going in a direction and build some momentum, you know. And that could really change yeah, our perception quickly season. because we do have our brand and we are we – are, a historically good program. So it wouldn't take much really just to get us sitting back up there and being talked about again. But I've been saying that for a few years. But, no, Mac, I mean, but, <laughs> but that's a great, Mac, that's a great comment on what we're talking about right now, though, is that for anyone that's out there that says, oh, Nebraska should definitely be out of the Kings, what if we win the national title next year? I mean, I know that's, you know, aspiring, right? But Nebraska goes out. We win the national title. Does everybody in one year say, oh, well, then they're absolutely in the Kings again? If 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 they say that, then, yes, it, we are right now. We should, we should be left. in there right now. Mm-hmm. You, it, it shouldn't be all about what you do from one year to the next. So, as an example, if Temple goes out next year and wins the national title, no one's going to throw them into the Kings. You know, you just can't make that kind of jump. But but Nebraska, we does, we are where we should be, and—, and, and I'm I'm thinking that these teams we've well, said so far they they feel like they are in the right kind of order. Let's keep working through the list with uh, a little bit of that in mind of like uh, 
who of these teams have actually won a national championship and then how how far back so um you know for example during this list we have auburn title clemson title georgia's won a title oregon has never won a national championship uh and played for one tennessee's title a&m's got a title very long ago ucla uh titles way back in the 60s next team up virginia tech yeah, are they? Hey, Barons. They're still? in the Baron. Or they're in the yeah. Baron. They're a strong yeah. Baron. Second though. tier. Oh yeah. In fact, I'm shocked, uh, Dave. You brought up Winsipedia that site, and and uh, they're one of our sponsors too, or at least I, I hope they become that. Winsipedia, go to it. Um, I didn't realize until I went to that site today how many wins Virginia Tech had had, like like of all time. I thought they basically, they they basically started with Beamer, but. Holy smokes! They must have had a lot of wins before Beamer got there because they have like six hundred and seventy-five wins, or so. I, I don't can't remember the exact number, yeah, but it's comparable to a Colorado. Oh or, yeah, or I whatnot, mean they're up right? there with the Iowas um, and Colorados, and I would have said that Virginia Tech was more traditional with some of the lower tier teams. I from wonder. That. I don't know what their competition were, was early. I mean, it looks like if you go way back, nineteen um, hundreds and whatnot, they definitely posted plenty of uh six and one five and two type seasons um, well our our, very our resident historian records, so. mike who were some of the teams nebraska beat back in the early 1900s mike <laughs> well we would typically play the kansases and there'd be games against minnesota so we can't discount those but who else and there'd, there'd be games versus like grinnell and <laughs> omaha ymca and doan grinnell was actually in our conference for a while they were yeah so. And would usually like open Bellevue. with a scrimmage against Lincoln like High, but what are you going to do? You know, you couldn't you couldn't fly back then. So, what choice did you have? Uh, so, the TV dollars just weren't there. That yeah, no, no, they weren't as much as you'd hope. Uh, well, I I do not know why, but I, I guess evident. All right, so uh, everybody's good with uh, Vodtech, mm-hmm. uh, which another great fan base, by the way. They visited uh, Lincoln a while back. Awesome people. Um, all right, West Virginia, sure. in the Virginias. Yeah, and they're a team I honestly don't know a lot about. I guess every now and then West Virginia has a pretty fun player. Yeah, yeah. Championship you know, to speak like of that, again. You know, famous Amos Zero Way, or so you know what I mean. They'll they'll get an exciting player from time to time that makes West mm-hmm. Virginia fun. But, but. I, I'm going to say no. That the, it, only in the sense that if I just think in their conference alone in the Big Twelve, I immediately we've already jumped teams like Oklahoma State and. And some other schools mm-hmm. that probably, in my mind, are above West Virginia. Not that West, Vir- West Virginia's got some good history. I mean, Bobby Bowden was coaching there, you know, back like when Marshall, when they had the the plane crash. I mean, you know, uh, Bowden was the head coach there, and 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 um, and he had some success over there. I mean, West Virginia didn't just start with Don Nealon, so. Uh, but I, that's a team that I would throw at the very very bottom of Barons. Yeah, and, it, it looks yeah. like yeah. Um, reading. Reading uh, Stewart's article from 2012, West Virginia had been bumped into the Barons in tw- in 12, um, probably based off of uh, three BCS bowl wins since two- that sounds 2005. Good. So he, you know their recent success. I'm, I'm gonna, th- but uh, since then I keep digressing I from things. But I'm I'm gonna throw one little scenario out from you. In 2007, right. think about this. In 2007, you have what looks to be a national title building competition that's going to be Missouri against West Virginia and you have Rich Rodriguez lose uh West Virginia lost to Pitt Pitt. of all things at the end of that game distinctly and then Missouri loses to Oklahoma 
And what ends up happening out of all, that whole scenario is that out of out of all that, uh, who is it? L, um, and LSU ends up getting LSU, LSU two losses. gets into the bowl game. And LSU probably wouldn't have been in there if they if they wouldn't have gotten into the to the title game. Les Miles would have maybe gone to Michigan at that time, not Rodriguez. Rodriguez ends up going yeah, there because yeah. he loses the, the game. Here. If if Les Miles goes to Michigan, or then who ends up being the oh, LSU Pelini. head coach? Probably Pelini. Full circle. You know, I mean, you you, wow. you think of how no Jim Grove would have been our coach? Is what you're telling we me? We would have been running the Wake oh, Forest Watch offense, that. or maybe maybe oh we would have Turner. I don't you know, know what? We owe Bo, Bo more than I like we the think. theory though. It's good. I'm sorry. I love Turner Gill as a person. <laughs> he seems like a great. Or do guy. we owe no, and Pitt, sir? And Pitt. And at that point, uh, Pitt wasn't quite the AD. Wasn't quite Peterson, but it was uh, their coach. At least was Wansat, who Peterson I think wanted. Oh yeah. So, Point is, is That's that true. it's a small world, and um, I don't wow. know where I'm going and with it's that. All Dave, about Dave please, please continue us. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, this is a good one. The next team up uh, in the Barons list, Dude, Wisconsin. They should, they're getting are close. Big Ten West Bravo. They are. Or Nemesis. Up some the other. I think Wisconsin is. Mm-hmm. They they are not. They no. should not be kings. No. There's no but they're argument Barons with kings the bullet. there. But they are. Yep. They, they they're. Ooh, the, it, it, it it's one of those things where you have to talk about them like historically. Like we went to that game, uh, Boomer, Dave, and and I went to that game where we lost yeah, to um, uh, oh, uh, Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, first game of the Big Ten, and you know they they do the uh, the fifth quarter where the you know the band plays and all that stuff. And and one of the reasons that that that's historically significant there is because they used to be so bad that people would stick around after the game. Because there's nothing to to be there for the you know at the yeah. game. That's how bad they were. So just historically, Wisconsin's not a great program, but in the last twenty five thirty years, and by the way, we kind of have this his, Nebraska sure. tie to them with Alvarez. Um, you've got you have Camp Randall. You have you know they've won a lot of games. They've done all the right and, things. You know of, of certainly of recent times, and they They're haven't doing had the right what, what I'm talking about, like they, what we've had when they've made those switches. Barry Alvarez has kind of been behind the scenes the whole time. You know, kind of molding and shaping that program, yeah. So it can Still be, Al- so Alvarez's it can just program. be kind of absolutely self-perpetuating. You know, based on a model that they use, which I think we would all love. And they just happen to stumble across. And I know they'll say, you know, they're out in Nebraska, in Nebraska, but whatever. You know, congratulations. But they are climbing. Well, they're the opposite of Nebraska right now. They 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 have stability at the AD spot with a guy that has football background, and and Nebraska doesn't have that, and so. With that stability at the AD, they've been able to go from Alvarez being mm-hmm. AD and coach, which is what Devaney was for his last couple of years. Then he leaves, and then you bring in Belima. Then you bring in Gary Anderson, which, by the way, I mean, nobody would have sat there and said, oh, Anderson's going to be the guy that runs a running offense. That guy from Utah State was a spread guy at, at, at best. But you know what? With, an odd hire. with Alvarez yeah. leading the way, you almost don't well, even see Paul a Christ isn't like schematically. Paul Christ is kind of a Riley this. disciple. He's they not just, a, just a bruising type running kind of offensive mind. He's he's a, got a pretty developed passing game. But to hear the Alvarez well, and, I mean, and yeah, how do you argue the Alvarez who runs the program? Let's, that kind yeah, of grows to my point. Is. There is, I think Alvarez has a has a little bit of a lead fist on what goes on. Yes, well, he used to do day to day operations. I think I mean he has an iron mm-hmm. fist. Rocky was made of. What did I say? <laughs> lead fist is oh, yeah. You said lead fist. You're thinking lead foot. 
And, and meteoric iron fist is what we're really going for. Right. Hockey should never a, speak at the UN or anything like that. He's got a tungsten I think I'd enjoy it. <laughs> I already have my shoe off and I'm hitting the table. Is that... Was, <laughs> That's right. Didn't Brezhnev or, uh, or one of those guys? You know, I, I think this, y- this is Gregorian? a good topic we could have, again, when we break down the Big Ten West from maybe like a hierarchy, you know, not just like, you know, present day, but as, as programs, because, you know, a lot of people will compare us versus Iowa and, and Wisconsin on how we run the programs. And I think there's a lot of validity to the, that discussion. And again, I don't want to dive into this right now, so please don't jump all over me. Uh, but... Um, I think the the question that I have from hearing about this is I think Wisconsin's very successful at what they do and that leads to Big 10 West uh very competitive Big 10 West teams that can win the Big 10 West and potentially win a Big 10 title on occasion but to Stuart Mandel's uh point here Wisconsin is a barren because they don't compete for national championships or win national championships and does that uh, approach that Barry Alvarez has at Wisconsin, can that ever actually deliver a national championship? And that's, I guess, it's always going to be kind of a mixture with, of getting just Wisconsin. just those um, one or two or three guys maybe to be those difference makers when you have a program that established. You know, like a Russell Wilson, he changed their entire team when they got him. I mean, you get one dynamic player in like that, like a Monty Ball. Still didn't win a national championship, though. So, yeah, they can, with that model, for sure, I think that's exactly the right thing to do for a program of that level, too. Whether it be a Baron or not, you have to... You have to understand what your recruiting limitations are, and so once you understand that, and then you mold your program towards it, then sure, I mean, you can just kind of keep rolling and rolling with it. And then when you finally strike gold with a few guys, then you can really make your runs. But, you know, it's it's cyclical, and it, it's, you know, you got to stay uninjured. I mean, but but they, they've shown. They, I have no problem with them. Mm-hmm. David Mack, you you guys are, are 100% correct here. And, and, Dave, you're right. Let's not get too far down this path, but – but it is the thing about about Wisconsin is that what Wisconsin and I would do is they they recruit you know locally because they have to, and what Nebraska has traditionally one of the reasons we've traditionally won those titles and everything is that you know we would recruit the same way we would get those same amount of local kids and everything, but we can nationally go out and do the Calabrasca or the Bradenton, Florida or whatever the movement is go up into Jersey and get the Friars and the the you know the Rosiers we can do all those things. That's the thing that's probably ultimately over time has kept Wisconsin away from being that national competitor. And then to Mac's point exactly, right, over the, the second yeah. they can get a Russell Wilson, the second they can get that one extra special guy, holy smokes, all of a sudden Wisconsin can be right there too. But but they just they just over time haven't Well, it takes a lot to enough. go right, you know, for something like that to make yeah. a really good run. When you're that kind of program, you've got to have no injuries. You've got to have that guy having that special year peaking at the right time. So yeah, exactly. Where everybody's kind of playing together and that chemistry's down and everybody's hungry. In. You know, it, it it takes a lot. I mean, well, and yeah, well, that's a good topic for yep, another discussion. Right. Is how how could you take take the uh, Wisconsin model and apply maybe some Nebraska lessons learned from previous success um, uh, in our history and, and and get back to where we want to go. All right. Um, I, I I didn't hear a lot of. Let's see. Let's go back. There was a little bit on Clemson. Honky said no on Clemson, but I no believe Cle- we had. I did, well, I said no Clemson, on Clemson going up to a. I said no on Clemson for being a baron. I think that they've. I think they've graduated to a king. And oh, you do think they're a king? I I, I do. Anybody think else a king. arguing against that one? 
I don't think they're no a king Clemson. yet, like I was arguing. I no, probably Boomer don't think they're a king. king, but I think they're going to be a king, so I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, no. I mean, I think they've done a lot of good things. Yeah, definitely a baron with a bullet. Clearly a baron with a bullet. Well, that should be a song. Well, Dave, here. I, and, Johnny Cash song. Yeah, I don't want to drive the conversation, yep. Dave, but but I'll say this with about Clemson. It's true. We, we had issue with Miami, okay? And maybe Miami is or isn't. And then Clemson maybe is or isn't as well. But one of the things you can look at is if you go down by conference, eventually at some point you have to start to break this down by conference. And in the Big Ten, we clearly have at this point, according to our discussion, we have Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. In the Big Ten, or Big 12, we have Texas and Oklahoma. In the uh, in the Pac-12, we really, what, have USC right now as kings. If you look at SEC, you have LSU, Alabama, yep, and Florida. And then you look at the ACC, and you'd have Florida State for sure, and then maybe Clemson or maybe maybe Miami. The point that I'm going to try to make with this here is if you compare, why is it important to have Kings? Start to compare to the playoff numbers. We're three years into the playoffs. And right now sure. the playoffs are the Big Ten has three teams that have made it. In fact, you've had, Every year. You've had Ohio yeah. State and Ohio State and Michigan State. And you can argue that actually we should have had Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State. You can argue three different teams made the playoffs over three years. But in this mm-hmm. case, Ohio State made it twice. In the Big 12, a, te- a, a conference that only has two teams, Oklahoma and Texas, and we've argued or we've talked about how Texas has struggled, they've only had one team in three years make the playoffs. In the, uh, in the Pac-12, USC right now is the only school we have listed. They've had two teams make it, and it's two teams that are not kings. It's been Washington and, uh, and uh, Oregon. And no, then, and then the point. SEC that no. only has three right now. We're saying LSU, Alabama, and Florida. They've made it all three years, but really, as we've always argued, and I can't wait for our future, our future show that's going to talk about SEC bias and Bloom is going to talk. About, Boomers are going to talk oh, the whole that's time. Going to blow up. It, we <laughs> we know Twitter the SEC hasn't made the SEC has not made the playoffs three times. Alabama has, and then the last one's ACC. They've made it all three times, but it's pretty much been Clemson and Florida State now. I mean, it's important to have. Kings in your conference. The thing that's hurting the Big 12 Absolutely. right now bigger than anything is Texas struggling. That's they've made one one of the Kings is struggling in and, and and it's because yeah. Texas can't Do you get think up maybe he there. drops us as a king? When Baylor and TCU no. were good, they couldn't get in us it. from Kings because of a conference that we're in that they we wouldn't want to have too many Kings in one conference. I'm sure he's going to think about it. I don't. I don't think he'll mm-hmm. do it. But I mean, for all the reasons we pointed out. But I, I think it's definitely going to. Because you be think a, the for sure Kings will probably be. For him. I don't know. We'll Michigan, find out. Ohio State, Penn State, right? I mean, Penn State. Well, I don't. I well, the Penn State would should be in the same yeah, boat Penn State as us. Should be except for minus last yeah, year. We're in the right? same boat if, there. I it to, back to like the earlier point that I don't even know who made it at this point. But when you're talking about like yeah, it's been 20 years since we've won a conference title, and that sucks, and we all hate it, and yet we're still the number one team all time with conference title wins. We're still, you know, number three all time in wins, and, and we're still, uh, you know, even in our worst seasons, we've gone at least nine and four, eight of our last nine years. Those are the things that start to make it tough to, to move us out of. But I'm going to ask Boomer a question, because Boomer's, first off, he hasn't talked in a while, but second off, Boomer's just really good at kind of breaking this stuff down. What? Let's fast forward, Boomer, five or ten years. So there's no wrong answers here. Say whatever you're going to say. What's the thing that will 
because this group of four is not going to knock Nebraska out of the Kings. But what eventually knocks us out? Like, what would it take? Well, you know, uh, it'd be a combination of factors. One, you'd have to start losing that fan support. You know, if all of a sudden that sellout streak goes away, that's one of those last big things we, you know, we hold on to that probably keeps us in there. If suddenly we're only packing sixty or 70,000 people in our stadium, you know, that looks bad. And if you keep having the coaching turnover that we have, you know, that lack of consistency every, you know, four years, five years, whatever it is, we're bringing in somebody new, we're changing systems again, and I think this is an argument we're going to ha- – our discussion will have another, you know, later time about what that does to our player development and how we get those players to the NFL, where we're getting one or almost no players to the NFL, you know, every season, you know, that are drafted. Once those things start adding up – you know, if we're continually losing to Wisconsin and Iowa, we're becoming that afterthought in our own conference. You know, I my worst nightmare, I always compare it to when I went to, you know, watch us play the Golden Gophers up in Minnesota. Sure. You can go to their stadium, that, that is the, and you can yeah. look at their, their whole string of championships that they have, you know, year after year after year. Then it hits 1960, and then it stops. Just ends. I mean, it just ends. And I'm sure there was, you know, probably, I guess... I don't know what they were thought of like in the you know late 60s, even to the early 70s. Did they completely fall off the face of the earth? I doubt it. I mean, if we had been doing a podcast over the there should be a shortwave radio in 1958, I'm sure we would have all considered Minnesota a king. You know, that stuff can go away. Yeah. It does take time, you know, but it's, you know, feasibly possible. Yeah, when was there. Minnesota not considered a king any longer? They were a king in 1960 oh, still. Oh, easily in 1960. Title. So by 84, when we beat them 84-7, to seven, they were no longer a king. I, I, would, oh, say I would think right? so. Did they were no longer a baron. They were no longer, I mean, they were a peasant yeah. practically. Oh, I they, think so. They yeah, are, they'd fall they over the face of the earth a, at that point. They're a perfect example of a program that has fallen multiple levels. And it they are... Yeah, they de-invested in their program. I don't know what the heck happened with Minnesota when you think historically they're in... Everything Mike just said, which, by the way, Boomer, I keep calling you Mike, but I should just call you Boomer. Boomer, Mike, drop. That was perfect what you just said there. We need you talking more. I'll shut up more. But that was perfect. And and, and Minnesota is, that's a perfect example right yeah, there. No, that's a program that's That's, that's the changed. thing you want to avoid. There's there's no doubt about it. They're just, there's not, I think yeah. what comes out of this hour of talking is there's I mean, Pittsburgh's not, the other one that kind of falls a little bit in that category yeah, that you could yeah. say Pittsburgh has, uh, was probably a king at some point, clearly no yeah. longer a king. There's just not um, a lot of but programs Minnesota's the strongest. that have moved, there's just not a lot of programs that have moved multiple, multi, like more than one level. And then when you get one like Oregon that moved up into the Barrens and it took them forever to get into the Barrens. Yeah, well, then you go four and eight, about... and they shouldn't fall out of it. They've done enough. They deserve to be in the Barons for another good five years. And if they go four and eight the next five years, maybe we'll reconvene and talk about it. But, but like, Oregon deserves to be where they are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Minnesota, complete side note, I mean, it might be interesting to think of it from a uh, city perspective or a state perspective. And since they added the Vikings, they became, became a pro uh, city at some point. And that probably changed the fan base. They should do an E for the Golden Gophers considerably in the 60s. That would be interesting. 
I think it deserves it because it, they just fell off the face of the earth. It's really hard to really understand. I think BT. It, it might have been the change in the the uh, the metropolitan. BTN should do something on that, but they, I think they're showing Indiana Purdue nineteen seventy eight right now, so I don't think they have time. <laughs> which is a hell of a game for I mean, such a breakdown. Like they're only playing that because they found it. Like, no uh, way. All right, so let's move on. Put it in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, before the that we take the break, though, let's just wrap up the Barons with, I just want to note that in, in 2012, Mandel had uh, put uh, the strike through on Colorado. So he dropped Colorado from the, the Barons list. So it was a Baron in 07. Colorado had moved down the list to a night in 12. Mm-hmm. Now, same thing with Washington. Ooh. So in seven, Washington is a, a Baron, Baron second tier, had moved them down to uh, a, a night in 2012. Would you reconsider at least Washington back up to the Baron Boy, level? it's amazing what going 0-12 under, under Wilmington and then, you know, or Willington. Willingham. Yeah, yeah. Willingham, I'm sorry. And then... And then you know, eventually making a a playoff. It's amazing the difference there. So yeah, that's another good example. <laughs> so you're feeling good on Baron with Washington? Yeah, I, that's an easy one. I think Baron. Yeah, for sure. I don't. They, I mean, uh, yeah, loud stadium, good I mean, fan base, and, and I feel like they're up and coming now. Jeez, does man. have a title? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, hire is, the right coach. Isn't there a stadium built with special steel? some I mean, sort of? Just vibranium right that makes it louder. It's a, it's like an iron fist of a stadium. <laughs> Meteoric moment, really. iron. Did you say vibranium? That's, that's awesome. Oh, that was funny, Michael. <laughs> Producer Skip here to cut the gang off. That does it for part one of this show. You can continue on to part two in a separate podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow on SoundCloud. You can also follow on Facebook and Twitter and email us at gobigredcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next show.